podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Forza Napoli Cultural Podcast. This is a podcast all about Napoli, of course, but you don't have to be a Napoli fan to enjoy it. If you're a Serie A fan, if you're a football fan, looking for the inside scoop on all things Napoli, this is the place to be. I'm your host, Joe Fischetti. Thank you, as always, for listening. This is our second player profile episode this offseason. The first was on Matias Oliveira. If you missed it, be sure to check that one out. Our second player profile is on Georgian wonder kid Kivisha Varitskelia, and I'm joined by a guest to help me with that. He is the admin of the Georgian footy account on Twitter, which is an account dedicated to all things related to Georgian football. Luka Lagvilava, welcome to Fortinopoli. Thank you for the invite. <laughs> it's a pleasure. It's always a lazy pleasure. Yeah, the pleasure is mine, especially for this one. I think a lot of Napoli fans are are really excited about Varetskeli. And I can guarantee you that more Napoli fans have been watching the Georgian national team in the last couple of weeks than they have ever watched <laughs> Georgian football before. But again, it's because of all of the excitement around this player. And I think he didn't dis- or he hasn't disappointed in the last couple of weeks. Obviously, Georgia's doing really well in the Nations League, three wins and a draw, which is fantastic to see. And I'm sure you're happy about that. Yeah, it really is like a surprisingly good start of the Nations League campaign for us. It's only two games left in September. But I mean, yeah, Fiche and other guys have been uh, putting out a decent, decent game. uh, And hopefully we're going to keep up the form and just maintain the lead of the summit. Yeah, and hopefully then get promoted to uh, the next next league. Now, the club hasn't, the club being Napoli, hasn't officially announced his signing, but De Laurentiis confirmed on the radio a while ago that he secured the player. And even Varitskelia mentioned it after the Bulgaria match on Sunday. He said, I can't say anything yeah. specific about Napoli now, but I'll be with them in July. So we're going to go on the assumption that he will be wearing the Azzurri come August. Now, like we did with the Oliveira profile, we'll go through Varescalia's journey through Georgia's from Georgia's capital city yeah. of Tbilisi to Napoli. We'll also talk about his playing style and how he'll fit in. But let's start with a question that I'm sure every Napoli fan would like answered. <laughs> that is, what is the correct pronunciation of his name? So let's start with his name, first name. So say K-H in, in the beginning, right? So it's H. Okay. Like a H, typically, and we say CH, which is a CH, so it's Chavicha. His name is Chavicha, which may sound quite difficult at first, but it's okay, quite so easy to get along with. Yeah, uh, and his last name is Kvaratskhelia, same KH that pronounces a H, not as a H or something like that. It's like Kvaratskhelia, so you can split it in half, so it works easier. But here we actually call him uh, Kvara, which is shortened of his last name, and it's easier to pronounce, so... Yeah, you can call him Kvara, Kvara Tzcheli. I was actually going to ask you, is there a nickname? Because I think a lot of people are going to struggle a little bit. So it's it's Chavicha Vara Tzcheliya. That needs a little bit of work. All right. Kvara is is the nickname. Far easy nickname. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So that'll work. All right. So now you live in Tbilisi, which is the capital of Georgia, for those who don't know. Varezkelia started his career in the academy of Dinamo Tbilisi. 
he joined at the age of 11. So living there, I mean, was he someone that was on people's radar from a very young age or did he really just start to get people's attention after he got promoted to the senior team or maybe as he was coming through the Georgia national team? Well, that group of players born in 2001, Bokratka and other guys who play in the national team right now, you can, you can check out the lineup. There are a few guys born in 2001 who played in the uh, Dinamo Academy back then. Those group of players were the first kind of products of Dinamo Academy, which were supposed to make a big jump. And we see them today playing the national team. So the expectations were pretty high for them, like three, four, five guys typically. David Hashvili, who moved with Kratzkhele in Russia, uh, Azarovi, who plays as a left back for our national team, and a few other guys. And yeah, when it was like, let's say 14, 15, 16, somewhere like that, um, probably most of the people who follow Georgian football and some of the youth teams knew about who he was and how big of a talent he actually was because his numbers for the under 17s and 19s looked pretty good. And um, yeah, he was talked about name. No one really thought that he'd kind of have this kind of jump straight away when he moved to like professional football. But I mean, yeah, it worked out pretty, pretty well for him. Yeah, and I think it's going to continue, or at least let's hope so. Now, he was promoted yeah. to the senior team in 2017, but he only made a few, you know, a handful of appearances. I think he had four appearances as a substitute, one start in, in the League Cup. But he did seem to catch a lot of people's attention for Georgia's U17 team, as you mentioned. He scored 15 goals in yeah. 23 appearances with the U17s for, you know, for a winger. That's huge productivity. Yeah. Then he moved down the street to FC Rustavi. And I mean that in a, like a literal sense, Rustavi is only 20 kilometers away from yeah. the capital city. I assume that's a derby. Was it a big deal when he moved to the city rival or did it not really matter so much because he had only played a handful of games for Tbilisi at the time? So the move to Rustavi is a bit of uh, I'd say a shady one, I'd say. So his agent actually uh, brought some players to Rustavi, invested some money into Rustavi. And because Kvartskhele ran out of contract in the end, at the end of the 2017, year 2017, he decided to move to Rustavi for like half a year, like a year or half a year, something like that, in order then to move on uh, somewhere in Russia because his agent typically has got players in Russia, got connections in Russia. So that's the reason why he moved to Rustavi. Not, not much of like a rivaling going on because Rustavi got established in like 20, 2016 or 2017, they got promoted straight away from the fourth division to the top tier. And loads of players, not only him, like loads of other players who used to play for in, in Russia in other like league structure and first division, second division, moved from Russia to Rustavi in order to kind of fulfill the needs of, of their agent. And that was the probably the reason behind his move to, to Rustavi. And think I think is like the club when he was at Academy, the Academy, they couldn't agree on a contract extension in 2017 to some personal reasons, uh, as far as I know. And um they decided to not renew the deal despite they were off like five year deal, four or five year deal at the police, but decided not to renew, move to Rustavi and then move to Lokomotive uh, Moscow. Okay, so that's interesting. Now in 2018, yeah. The Guardian published a list of 60 of the best young talents in world football. I think they do this yeah. on an annual basis. And he was yeah. in this list. Actually, uh, Davitashvili was on the list as well, who you mentioned earlier as a, a player. They've kind of sort of stuck together and followed the same path yeah. up until this point, and certainly with the national team and also and uh, some of the club teams that they've played for. The Guardian also provided annual updates over the last few years. So I'm going to read those as we kind of work through his journey yeah. to Napoli. 
But what really stood out to me was that with each update, his prominence, both within the club and with the national team, seemed to be growing. It seemed like year over year, he was becoming more and more important to either the club he was playing for or to the Georgian national team. So for his time at Rustavi, this is what the Guardian had to say about Vadiskelia. He is technically gifted like many young Georgians, but other attributes of his game make him stand out. A product of Dinamo Tbilisi's academy, he is great physically, has good pace and acceleration, and is always unpredictable in one-on-ones. He is also crucially happy to use both feet. He hasn't been compared to any famous footballers of the past in his country, but if we look elsewhere, three names come to mind. Julian Draxler, Julian Brandt, and Leroy Sané, who I think are all Germans, if I'm not mistaken, German or Belgian. So those are some interesting yeah. comparisons. I mean, that's pretty high praise for a player who was only 17 at the time that that, that report was published. Yeah. Now, Vadiskelia spent only one season at Rustavi, and I think you kind of alluded to why, because it seemed like it was really just a stepping stone to get yeah. to Russia. A week before his 18th birthday, he joined Lokomotiv Moscow on a six-month loan. Were you able to watch him play much while he was at Lokomotiv? I saw a few uh, matches because there was another Georgian player for Loco back then. Uh, our national team defender, Quick Failure, was playing for Loco uh, as they won the championship, I think, that year. They won a cup. But yeah, the thing was with him, like, I, I saw a few inter- interviews of, of his teammates back then, and they were like, when he came here, you could see the talent, obviously, like the raw talent, but he needed to polish his game so much because he thought that he's still in Georgia, you know, like he could beat three, four, five men off the dribble. But here, when it's logical, it's not as easy to do that. And obviously, quality-wise, uh, Russian Premier League is high in level. That's hard if it is for me to say, but still. That's kind of uh, the first... Um, that's not issue because when you're like 18, 19, you know, that's obviously going to be a thing, moving from a smaller country to a way, way developed league. But then it's suddenly like he gained weight, he got better, and, and his coach, one of the more iconic Russian coaches, praised him a lot. He knew the talent he had. And then again, this the same sort of deal with his agent happened that they couldn't really agree on a contract extension here as well. Like offered them uh, one plus three, something like that. And the agent was like, we're not going to accept that because if, if a player who doesn't really play much gets injured in that one year, in the club option year, uh, it's, it's not going to get extended. So that's his career done, basically. Ruben was one to offer of signed like a four-year deal with Ruben and, and that's about it. It's kind of journey from Rostavi to Loco and then to Ruben Kazan. Yeah, you mentioned the change in the quality. I, I was looking at this as well and I was trying to find a, a good way to frame it without being insulting to the Georgian League. And the best way I can come up with yeah. is by sort of looking at the the UEFA coefficients, which is not something I like, to be honest. I don't think UEFA coefficients are, mm. are a great way to gauge anything, really. But, you know, Georgia is currently ranked 47th in UEFA coefficient, whereas yeah. Russia is 10th. So I think that does give you a sense of the, the difference in quality from, from one league to another. And the reason I was looking at this is because anytime a player transitions from a sort of lower-ranked team to a league, sorry, to a, a higher-ranked league, the fans of that club are going to be concerned about whether the player can adapt to the new league. And, you know, the same thing happened with Napoli fans. When Napoli signed Victor Osimhen from Lille, there was a lot of speculation as to whether he could make that transition from Liga, which is still a top five European league to Serie A, which is not that far off. So, you know, we'll come back to him transitioning to a top five European league in a little bit, but 
I wanted to ask you about that transition from the Georgian top flight, the Erovnuli Liga, to the Russian Premier League. How did Vadiskelia adapt to playing in Russia? So, as I said before, Lodka was a bit hard for him to adapt because the club's at that point was the best club in the league so the demand is way better so the requirements from the, from the coaches from the players are way different and he didn't really get much of a play time although he came off like a few times off the bench scored once i think for for locomotive moscow like 10 games he played but i mean yeah when he moved to rubin uh, that was like a turning point for him because he started to quickly grow and by growing me physically he gained like four five or six kilos in like much around like half a year which he, for a 20 year old, 21 year old, isn't really that easy to gain bare, I mean, bare muscles. And that was the first thing he needed to develop, as it seems in Russia. And he did that pretty decently, then got his game a bit refined, uh, started to know how to play. And there was always an error, an issue with him in terms of communicating because he didn't really speak English, didn't really speak Russian at the time. So that was his first thing. Like the coaches were like, he seems to understand, but he doesn't really understand what we're saying to him. And it seems kind of like, you know, unsettled, doesn't really know what to do, especially in teams where, like, if you have a look at the teams, they're like a lot of foreigners in Russia. So, got guys from South American uh, countries, from African countries, from European countries, so you need to communicate with them more. And that was an issue with them. But later on, uh, a few players were brought into Rubin, uh, that were Georgian. So, that really made him feel kind of like at home uh, and helped him to adapt and help, helped him to grow more as a player, as, as, a, as a socialized player of the team. And yeah, uh, his first half a year, Rubin weren't really that good because he didn't really get much of a playtime again. And the coach didn't really trust him at all. The Tabitash really got more playtime and looked more promising at that point. I'm talking about 2019, somewhere beginning of 2020. But then the coach got sacked and he got more room on the, the way he wanted. So he's a ball dominant player, as most of the wingers are, obviously. And he got the ball most of the times after that mid April, May time period at Rubin. And that helped him to gain confidence first and foremost because scored a few goals, made a few assists, got praised a lot, got extra attention from media both in Georgia and in uh, and in Russia and other countries. And since then, he was on the rise. Pretty much has been the crucial player for the national team as well. Remember, like back then, there was a Nations League fixtures, a few Nations League fixtures, and brought an assist against Estonia, another assist against Macedonia, another assist against Belarus. So he was delivering as much as he could in, in any single game he played the national team and hype was really in. And yeah, slowly, slowly, slowly started to pick up his form, start to know how to play the game. Um, they better adjusted to the physicality of the Russian league, both, you know, like tactic-wise and physicality-wise. Uh, and yeah, got kind of like a place where defenders were kind of afraid of him at some point which uh, for a 20 21 year old again is, is a bit is a bit of a thing you know you might get put down to the ground a few times but eventually just get your confidence that way because you know you're good enough so that the other opposing players are afraid of you and that like half a year like six or seven months really helped him out in terms of regaining his form gaining confidence getting to know players getting to know the league get to know how to play the game uh, and he walked out running then. Yeah, he's definitely not shy on confidence. I guess that's, I don't know if that yeah. came with, with his play or if, if he's always been confident. But let me go back and just read the, the Guardian updates because 
I think these yeah. updates from 2019 to 2020, 2021 kind of reflect what you've just described as as he grew both physically and in confidence and his his level of play just continued to impress. So when he joined Lokomotiv, they said he joined Lokomotiv Moscow on loan in February and impressed in the seven Premier League games that he featured in. So as you said, he, he was mostly a substitute still even at Lokomotiv. The club cannot agree on a permanent deal afterwards, though, which led to the railway men's 72-year-old manager, Yuri Semin, who I think is the manager that you referenced, yeah. admitting that losing that extremely talented boy made me cry. <laughs> so he was so upset that he lost such a talent that it, it brought him to tears. And then he shortly thereafter joined Ruben Kazan on, a, I think, a 600,000 euro transfer. And then in 2020... Even at Ruben Kanzan, it seemed like in his first season, he was still used predominantly as, as yeah. a substitute before he eventually cracked the starting 11. So the Guardian posted their first update in 2020 saying he has become one of the Russian Premier League's biggest stars at just 19 years of age. He is not just a regular starter for Ruben Kazan, but arguably their best player who can play anywhere in attack, always creating goal scoring opportunities. And then in 2021, and again, you'll see how his importance keeps rising with each update. They said that this was just after the start of his third season. So he still hadn't even, you know, got into the, his end of that season, I guess you could say, which we're going to get to in a second, but they said he has become arguably the biggest star in the Russian premier league with a move, just a matter of time. So he went from being a substitute to being the most important player at Ruben Kazan, to being the best player in the whole league. So things were definitely going quite well for Vadetskelia in Russia. He made 50 appearances in his first two seasons at Kazan. He didn't score too many goals. He scored three in his first season and four in his second. But as you noted with the national team, he he picked up quite a few assists. He had five in his first season there and eight in his second. And again, that first season was mostly as a substitute. So those are still really impressive numbers. And as the report suggests, he did a lot of things that don't necessarily show up on the score sheet. All the while, again, his productivity with the national team and and his importance to the national team were growing. Now, despite Kazan struggling in the league, Varetskele appeared to be heading towards another impressive season in that third year at the club. Kazan were ultimately relegated, but Varetskele's contract was terminated about two-thirds of the way into the season. Kazan issued a statement saying they initially suspended his contract before they ultimately terminated it. Can you explain what happened there and why that contract was terminated? Just simply because of the war in Ukraine. As we all know, FIFA allowed players to leave Russia and Ukraine as well in order to move away to clubs before the 30th of June. So was the case with Kvartskele, who moved to Dinamo Batumi. That was in like late March, I think. And uh, yeah, so his contract was first suspended for a while, but then they decided to terminate his deal um, with his agent, obviously, because he's a tough personality uh, who's, although he's not really likable to many, he's got that kind of, I know he's got that appreciation from club managers in Russia and uh, eventually they got his deal terminated and that now he moved into Napoli in like probably in a month from now, I think. So, yeah, that, that's the main reason is the war in Russia, uh, war in Ukraine. When you say his personality wasn't likable, are you referring to the agent or to the player? Yeah, to, to the agent, 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 yeah. Okay. Agent. Yeah, which is, I mean, 
most people, most clubs don't like agents of any kind, actually. No. But I mean, I mean, the good ones are actually very good at taking care of their players. No. I also read, though, that there may have been conflicts with Georgians and Kelly's family because they didn't like the fact that he was playing in Russia, obviously because of what was going yeah, on. Yeah, that, that was a thing, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, that is a thing, obviously, uh, because uh, not only Ukraine, because in Georgia we've been uh, like twenty percent of our players are still occupied Russia, and there's there's history with that country, um, and that was the main kind of, I'd say, a reason why people got upset about him moving to Russia was because he had an offer from Benfica that was in twenty eighteen, I think it was, and from the Bayern Munich executive of Bayern Munich, he was there. There's some images around the internet him sitting in Allianz Arena and stuff like that with. Uh, had a talk with Salih Hamidic, I think, back then. And um, people were upset because if you got an offer from Benfica or Bayern Munich, why should you move to Lokomotiv Moscow? And that doesn't really sound well. That's why people were upset about him and his agent. That's why his agent was a really likable person. But yeah, eventually this move kind of worked out pretty well in the end, pretty well. And now we see him joining Napoli in Phoenix. So before he moved or signed this deal with Napoli as you mentioned he moved back to Georgia with Dinamo Batumi and just for everyone to you want to picture it sort of geographically Georgia's a very sort of long country from from east to west I guess you can see and mm. Batumi is on sort of the the western edge of west the country side. yeah whereas uh Tbilisi and and Rustavi are more on on the east side of the country Obviously, it was important to get him out of Russia and back to his family and, you know, away from war and all of that stuff. But were you concerned that a move back to the Adovnuli could stall his development? Or, or was this kind of just everyone knew we're just going to get him out of Russia and then try to get him to another big club? I wasn't really upset of him moving to Georgia, mainly because... Um... This year was a bit problematic for him because he thought he'd get a move in 2021, summer 2021. And when he didn't get a move, it really affected his game. It wasn't really kind of doing 100% that he could. Like his form wasn't really great. But I think when he moved to Georgia, where the competition is far less, get some numbers, goals, assists, getting some wins, that's always like a bit of confidence booster for you. Um, and in order to regain some form, and obviously before the Nations League matches, he needed a place where he could play as much as he could, get some numbers. And that was kind of the story behind his move to Dinamo Batum. And uh, it really turned out well for the club as well, because he scored like eight goals already in like seven or eight games in Batumi, 11 games in Batumi to assist and stuff. So, yeah, but that's worked out pretty good for him, for the club. And for the league in general, because there's lots of new people following our league who are interested in Kvartskhele, obviously. Loads of more followership, even from my account as, as a follow, bring Georgian football uh, in English to Twitter. I see lots of more Italians following Dino Batum, trying to follow Dino Batum at least, highlights, the goals. It's, it's a good thing, I think, and it's a pleasant thing to get like a superstar, real, for us, he's, he's a superstar, to get him back to Georgia. Even if it's like two or three or three month long thing, it's still a good one. And yeah, overly positive and everyone was positive because of that, because we all knew that he couldn't really sign for a proper team for two months before the transfer window. So he did some place to stay and to play as much as he could. At that point, there were already lots of rumors and links to Napoli. And, you know, we started to see a lot of Napoli media outlets posting these goals that he was scoring, which, as you said, that's that's still great. 
advertisement for the Georgian league. And hopefully people who follow those accounts will not unfollow. And, you know, it creates an expectation. And also with how well the Georgian national team is, I think people should continue to follow the league because we might see more, more players like this that can make that leap. But as I was watching these videos, you could see that his quality had risen to a, a higher standard than what was sort of yeah. the norm in the Georgian league. He was almost toying with, with these defenders dribbling to yeah. two, three, four players before scoring and chipping keepers and all of these uh, fun goals. Now, that was obviously a very limited sample size, but I, I think that that quality was coming through those videos. Coming back to what I mentioned earlier that makes you question okay is this player ready to make that leap to an even higher league than the russian league a top five european league in Serie? do you think he's ready to make that leap yes and no at the same time and by yes i mean he has got the quality to be a provider for a decent team and for a great club as napoli is but again same things as i said in, we had issues in russia language barriers i think different kind of work ethic he's going to need in Italy where the competition is way better. And um, obviously there's a pressure on him because ideally he has to fill in uh, in senior's boots, which in the, it's not going to be easy for him. And hopefully he's going to fulfill uh, the expectations of himself at first and then others, obviously fans from both Napoli and from Georgia. It will be a tough task for him and hopefully he, in the first like four to six months he gets a few goals a few assists and then carry on the form then carry on the confidence and like the thing i'm really happy for him is that he gets goals even for the national team now because um playing for a national team is a different thing than playing for a club it's way way different thing uh, and for him to get that kind of moral boost that he is the one who's carrying the national team kind of gives him the expectations though i can do anything i can even at the level of Syria, even against defenders at Juventus, Inter, Milan, I don't know, Fiorentina and such. So he should be able, he's got the potential, but it's all up to him in the end. And all the small bits in terms of like off the court, off, off the field things, as much as like communicating, trying to adapt to a way different culture in Italy, which is pretty different to Russia and Georgia, obviously. Uh, and how well he's going to fit into the group of players who are there. So, yeah. Yeah, I'm curious to see how the the language barrier goes, just because obviously Luciano Spalletti, who's the current Napoli coach, spent some time coaching in Russia at Zenit. So I don't know if uh, if Spalletti learned Russian and if Arskelia learned Russian, maybe they can speak to each other in Russian. But yeah, I mean, we've seen that with other international players joining Napoli that you do need to give them time to adapt, not just to the language, but to the style of play. And, Apparently, Christian Zaccardo was one of the intermediaries in this deal, and he gave an interview yeah. to Sky Sport the other day where he said that he's known Barishkelia for two years and he's been following him for a while, but he said you know, he has important qualities and he thinks he can do well, even if he will need some time to adapt. So I think Napoli fans need to just be patient and not get too frustrated, either with Spalletti as a coach for maybe not playing him right away and throwing him into yeah. the starting 11 immediately, and also with Varazkelia if he doesn't just immediately come in and start tearing up the league. Like You need to give players, especially young players, time to adapt. And the fortunate thing is we do still have players like Elif Elmas and Chucky Lozano who can play on the left wing, 
if Varys Kelly needs some time. Hopefully, we'll have Delofeo as a replacement for Politano on the right wing. Otherwise, we'll have Politano himself who can play on the right wing. I mentioned Elmas. I think the North Macedonian diamond and the Georgian diamond actually have quite a bit in common in terms of the way they play their technical ability, how they like to run at defenders. So let's close the pod by talking a little bit about Varys Kelly's qualities what can you tell us about just the way he plays the game? So, as I said, he's a ball-dominant winger who is more of a creator and than a finisher. There's still a few errors in terms of decision-making. Even yesterday, we were at the game yeah, against Bulgaria. and There were a few times when he, in my opinion, could have squared it to other player for goal-scoring opportunity, which he didn't. He wanted to take on the defender. He wanted to take a shot himself. And those kind of things come with age, obviously, and... That's the thing he needs to sort out first films in his in, in his game. But uh, again, like a rapid, rapid winger who can score both his feet. He's pretty tall, six, about six foot tall. So physicality is a factor here. Could score off his header, but it doesn't really score much with his header because obviously wingers don't really put the ball onto their hand, head if it's not Ronaldo or something like that. And yeah, that's the kind of play he likes to explore the spaces. He likes to run fast. He's more of a counter-attacking player. And that was uh, the thing I think Mark Overmars talked about before um, with Shotov, a lot of former Georgia national team player who offered kind of offered him to Ajax. And they were like, he is a good player, but he's more of like a counter-attacking player. So we can't really pay 18 to 20 million for especially like counter-attack oriented player. So he needs to revamp his game. He needs to be more of a team player in order to um, kind of take the next step towards like being a big club, even like Ajax. So, um, yeah, as I said before, he needs to refine his game a uh, bit, bit more. He needs to become like a more of a team player. Not that he's in, but still as an individual, he likes to uh, do stuff on his own, take on two or three players. Um, and, um, yeah, that's probably the, um, the small profile I can give up, how he plays and how he does on the field. Still, there are loads of heights, which uh, don't really determine the way he plays because... Um, Highlight reels don't really implement like the way you run back, uh, how much you move, how much you move off the ball. So those kind of things um, need a bit of development. But I mean, in the end, he, sh- in my opinion, he should be able to crack the crack the first team eventually, in probably in half a year, a max. If he gets obviously played, I mean, if he adapts the way he needs to adapt in in Italy. There's a few things there that that I want to touch on. I think it's interesting. One, that he's a bigger player. So, yes, he will have big shoes to fill with Insigne, even though Insigne's play kind of declined in in the last season. Um, But it'll be nice from a Napoli fan perspective to have some more height up top. I mean, that's slowly been... We've been literally growing, I guess you can say, with, you know, Victor Osman has a lot more height. At one point, we had three small forwards with, you know, Mertens, Insigne, and Callejon, for example. Now... You'll have uh, Osimhen in the middle and Baraskelia on the left. Counterattacking is another interesting one because that's something that Napoli have, over the last few seasons, struggled a little bit with. Now, again, with a player like Osimhen and the pace that he has, the counterattack has improved. But as a yeah. almost a side effect of having a player with that type of pace is that even his own teammates can't keep up with him. So, again, you know, even though <laughs> Napoli are... Even though Napoli are a ball possession team, there are times where we counterattack and, you know, it'll be interesting to see, especially if we have a front three of Varaskelia, Osimhen, and Lozano, who are all fast players. 
then that could actually become more of a feature of the Napoli attack and more more of a focus on the counterattack. I think that could be very, very dangerous. Um, you mentioned he's he's skillful with both feet. It seems like his preference, though, is to be on the left wing because I don't know, you can maybe add to this, but it seemed like just even watching four Nations League matches, I think I got a pretty good sense of the type of player that he is from those matches. And and one of the things that stands out is that he likes to play on the left, even though he roams quite a bit with the national team. He yeah. generally plays on the left and he likes to cut into his right and and take the shot on his right foot, which is also yeah. something that Insigne did. You know, that's <laughs> the expression tira giro kind of Insigne made it famous <laughs> by yeah. cutting in from the left. And then, yeah, you mentioned his pace. He has great close ball control. And and you mentioned also the decision-making. That was the thing that stood out to me specifically with the similarity to Almas because they're both very, very technically gifted players. The very quick feet, great close ball control. But sometimes you just wish that they would release the ball a little bit sooner, especially when you know they're playing for bigger clubs and they have more talent around yeah. them. You can understand why maybe in the Georgian League, he probably did that quite a bit because... He could, first of all, he knew he was better and could dribble past these players, but also maybe he didn't have as much talent around them. So that that is something that he'll probably have to work on and just releasing the ball quicker and realizing that, you know, the movements off the ball are where he can do more damage, you know, make a pass, make the run and get the pass back. And, you know, we even saw that in that Bulgaria match where he made a run. Um, it was I think it was about early in the second half, maybe midway in the second half where he made a run. I don't recall the player's name who played a, just a perfect through ball, and he tried to chip the keeper, but it was kind of cleared Chipped off. The it, line. Yeah, yeah. It's I think that yeah. that movement off the ball, especially with his pace, which is blistering, I think could be another dangerous weapon to his. And then, yeah, again, the confidence that we talked about earlier. He's he's not afraid to shoot, which is good. We you know you want your attacking players to to go for a goal and take shots and take on defenders. So. It'll be interesting to see, you know, how he adapts to playing in Serie A, which historically is a more defensive league. But I think in the last couple of seasons, it's opened up quite a bit. It's become a bit more modern and a bit more attack minded. That's really all I had to cover today, Luca. Unless there's uh, anything else that you wanted to add, uh, I think we could wrap it up. Yeah, there. good. I think we've, we've discussed most of the things we we should have. Uh, yeah, that's. Yeah. Probably the profile of Kuchikatskania. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for taking the time with chatting me today. Pleasure, man. Thank you for inviting me. It's, again, it's my pleasure. So you can find Luca on Twitter at LucaLagvilava23, and you can find his Georgian football account at GeorgiaFooty. You can find me on Twitter at Joe underscore Fisket D5, and you can find the podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, Patreon, and Substack at Pod. If you liked what you heard, please share it with a friend and leave us a rating on your favorite podcast platform. I'll be back with another episode soon, which will be a comprehensive review of the play of all Napoli players that were on international duty. But until then, I'm Joe Fischetti. Forza Napoli sempre. Podcast Network.